Big money now on new siding from LP Smart Side at Menards. Update and beautify your home with your choice of 13 timeless colors of pre-finished engineered siding. It's durable and includes a Sherwin-Williams factory finish paint warranty that means no painting for years to come. View our entire selection of siding from LP Smart Side today. And don't forget to check out our flyer on Menards.com for all the great deals happening now. Save big money at Menards. On the TV, on the radio, and even social media, everyone has become a debater. Hot heads, hot takes, and lots of hot air are now the norm. But only one can be the master debater. This is Master Debaters from News Talk 550 KTSA and FM 1071. I'm Dennis Foley and welcome to Master Debaters, the show where the best argument wins. Joining us this week, you can read her punny takes on the latest news in the Washington Post and WashingtonPost.com. Alexandra P. Trying. Hey, Alex. Hey. Our next good. Our next debater brings his takes on his on the uh, latest news on American Ground Radio, heard on KEL and Shreveport each weeknight, and other stations across the country each weekend. Stephen Parr. Hey, Stephen. Hello. Thanks for having me back. And our third debater covers the world of mixed martial arts for combat culture. Matt Ryan. Hey, Matt. Hello. So they will all be presenting arguments in an effort to win over our judge, who this week is Julian from New Jersey. Hey, Julian. Oh, Julian from New Jersey. I figured you were going to hype me up a little bit more than that, Dennis. Well, you're the judge, so uh, there's only a limited amount of hype. You have too much power for me to give you too much hype. I don't want it to all go to your head. So Julian's Uh, Julian's job is to analyze and critique each response our contestants give the questions I present throughout the show. And along with asking the questions, I'm also the show's referee. So if I hear something that I don't like, or maybe merits a penalty, you'll hear this whistle. So before we get started, let's give our contestants a chance to get to know the judge a little bit better by asking him a question. We're going to start with uh, Alexandra. Do you have any questions, or, or a question, one question for a Judge Julian? Sure, Julian, what was the hype that we missed out on? I want to give you your due. Well, the hype, in my opinion, is much like you guys. I am also a broadcaster and uh, communications professional. So uh, I was hoping Dennis would give me a very interesting intro, but uh, I I don't want to go too long-winded, but that's uh, the best that I could give myself without having to take up the entirety of the show. Okay. Steven, do you have a question for our judge, Julian? I do, Julian. Uh, how, how do you deal with the power of being a judge? How, how do you cope with that stress that comes with the decision-making authority you have? Look, it's tough, you know, but I would like you guys to know that I put my pants on just like you in the morning, one leg at a time, and then have my coffee to get up just like everybody else in America. <laughs> All right. That's great. And Matt, do you have a question for a judge, Julian? Yes, um, you live in the state of New Jersey, and there are many contentious debates in the state of New Jersey. The most contentious is this, pork roll or Taylor ham? It is 100% undoubtedly Taylor ham. Okay, okay. All right, let's, let's play the game. Opening Arguments on Master Debaters. Yes, it's time for Opening Arguments. In this segment, I will give each combatant a question. That combatant answers the questioner. Judge Julian gives them the score between 0 and 10 points. 
They will each have 30 seconds for their argument, and a buzzer will let them know when that time is up. We're going to start with Alexandra. If, you're, if you or your child has gotten burned in this kitchen appliance, changes are coming. Microwave ovens will soon have a new safety feature that's long overdue. Child-resistant doors. The addition comes thanks to the persistence of a pediatrician who took note at how many kids were showing up with burns at his Chicago hospital and decided to do something about it. In burn units across the country, about 22% of patients are kids, and most are admitted for that rather than burns sustained in fires, according to the American Burn Association. The ease with which toddlers can operate microwaves has led to thousands of them getting burned, many severely, when removing hot soup or other liquids. Matt Piper, CBS News. So, Alexandra, what other kitchen items or appliances do you think need to be redesigned? 30 seconds. Ooh, I think most of them. I think mostly all the things that say they're going to be a slow cooker that will completely take away the need that you have to prepare the meal. Because as somebody who got a lot of these as wedding gifts, I was like, great, I won't need to cook anymore. I don't cook in the first place, but maybe it'll do it for me. And no, you have to do a whole recipe. You have to put it in. You have to put the lid on. You have to time it. I think they should actually have one that just does it for you. And uh, that's the first change I would make. Uh, other than that, the microwave, uh, making it safer, always seems good to me. All right, Julian, score zero to ten for that. Uh, I'm going to go with an eight, especially because I got a nice helpful tip because I'm preparing for my own wedding about how I won't be able to cook after I get all my appliances. All right, next topic, drive down any major thoroughfare at 5 p.m., and you'll likely notice how light the traffic is. But while the pandemic has taken a substantial portion of cars and trucks off the road, more people are dying on them. Early on in the pandemic, police started noticing how few vehicles they were seeing at the same time. They were seeing upticks in really unsafe driving behaviors by the folks who were out there on the road. Pamela Fisher of the Governor's Highway Safety Association. More speeding, more impairment issues, and also fewer people wearing seatbelts. With the result that 1,200 more people died in car crashes in the first nine months of 2020 than in the same period in 2019. Jim Ryan, ABC News. So, Stephen, why? 30 seconds. This is one of those side effects of uh, the lockdowns that have gone on across the country because of COVID. There, there have been a lot of other things that have, as we've changed our behavior, it's affected us in ways that weren't anticipated. It's why deaths of despair have gone up. People basically under lockdown have become uh, separated from communities, separated from other people. And that separation has affected our ability to um, to follow just basic rules of safety in the past. It, this is just one more example. All right, Julian, score zero to 10 for that. I'm going to go with a nine. It was very eloquently put and very factual. All right, next topic. Century-old breakfast favorite is the new pandemic must-have. Cereal fans are complaining. Grape nuts breakfast time. Good. Grape nuts have gone the way of Clorox wipes and toilet paper before they began to reappear during the pandemic. Post confirms they're trying to work through supply constraints and higher demand. A spokeswoman tells USA Today they have no plans to discontinue the 120-year-old cereal. A third-party seller on Walmart.com listed a four-pound box for $110. There are also overpriced listings on Amazon and eBay. Deborah Rodriguez, CBS News. So, Matt, are grape nuts really a must-have? 30 seconds. Well, I can't get enough of that sugar crisp, as a pantsless bear said in commercials in the 1960s. But grape nuts, I, you know, I feel like it's panic buying by our nation's elderly. 
you know, the, that's not the hip, savvy cereal out there. That's more of your Kashi Good Friends or something with a little less grain in it. I feel like Grape Nuts, uh, much like GameStop, is being overinflated by those who see it at perceived value which and not actual value, which is to help you get not number one, but number two. So, uh, Julian, what score do you want to give that zero to ten? I'm going to go with a seven and maybe a little bit of bias poured into it because I actually love Great Nuts, but the argument was there. All right. Well, coming up, the Tweet Police. Will they soon be inside your mind? We'll debate that and much more next on Master Debaters from KTSA. This is Master Debaters, the show where the best argument wins. And this is where things start to heat up. We have Alexandra Petri, Stephen Parr, and Matt Ryan this week competing to convince our judge, Julian, that their argument is the best argument. And if you want to be a judge on a future edition of Master Debaters, head over to our website, ktsa.com slash masterdebaters and sign up. It's that easy. So let's keep this debate going. For argument's sake on Master Debaters. So in this part of the show, I'm going to give all three contestants the same question. They will each take a turn presenting their argument on that topic. After they all take their 30 seconds to respond, our judge will then give them anywhere from 0 to 10 points for their responses. A Texas lawmaker, Texas state lawmaker, has filed a bill that would allow Texans to vote on a so-called Texit. If a bill filed by State Representative Kyle Biederman is approved by the Texas House and Senate, Texans will decide whether the legislature should submit a plan for leaving the United States and establishing an independent republic. But SMU political analyst Cal Gilson says the Supreme Court has already ruled that the union cannot be dissolved. When it joined the union in December of 1845, the Supreme Court had said that's a permanent decision. That's not a decision that is revocable. Elizabeth Ruiz, KTSA News. We're going to start with Alexandra. Can and should Texas, 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 30 seconds. Oh, my God, this again? Texas needs to stop succeeding. If at first you succeed and it doesn't work, don't try again to mangle that old expression beyond all recognition. I think they joined it, then they decided, oh, you know, we're going to, we give up, we're going to join the Confederacy, and now they're back. I think if you leave and come back and then you leave again, shame on somebody. And I think they should pick a place and stay with it. And frankly, they're attached to us, so I think they'd better stick it out. Stephen, 30 seconds. Yeah, this is part of Texas lore that is just not true. Texas does not have the right to secede from the United States. We fought a civil war over that, and that was uh, answered pretty decisively. So Texas is a part of the United States of America. Now, as they join the country, they actually do still have the right to split up into five different states if they want to. That would give Texas actually eight other senators. But right now, Texas is doing better in the country by taking businesses from California and New York and moving them to Austin than they ever could by leaving the union. And Matt, 30 seconds. Okay, so once in a generation, we get one of these dummies who decide to try to break away from the union because they don't like what's going on. That, 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 that's not how this works. This is, it's not a planet fitness. You can't just opt out. Uh, it's kind of canon law. And as everybody has said, we fought a civil war over it. And guess what, jabronis? You lost. So please, for my sake, for your sake, for the economy's sake, also... Which one of you jackalopes is going to come up with a currency? 
How are you going to figure that out? And also, who's going to be president? Ted Cruz? Get out of here with your nonsense. Now, just for the record, Texas has been an independent country before, so it has had its own currency before as well. But Julian... All of those people are dead! Yeah. I think the big head... Are they just going to... Well, Are don't they just dig them up and try to revitalize them. Don't tell push a couple of skeletons. Don't tell the cities of Austin and Houston that are the living legacies of two of the Texas heroes. But Julian, what points you want to give out zero to ten? Uh, does it? I, I assume it goes for them individually. Yes. Correct? Yep. Okay. They're all they're so all trying to beat each say, other. <laughs> yeah, I, I well, I would say Stephen, you did the best argument in my opinion. I'm going to give you a nice ten. Whereas we're going to go eight for Alex and Matt. San Francisco school board has voted to rename dozens of schools that it claims are named after controversial figures in American history. Gone will be Herbert Hoover Middle School, John Muir Elementary, George Washington High School, Abraham Lincoln High School, and Diane Feinstein Elementary. The San Francisco school board voting to rename 44 schools named after figures who the board says, quote, significantly diminish the opportunities of those amongst us to the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, end quote. Lincoln is listed because of his treatment of Native Americans, Washington because he owned slaves, Dianne Feinstein because of an issue involving the Confederate flag when she was mayor. Alex Stone, EBC News. And along with all that, there is some confusion apparently about what to do with the district's Roosevelt Middle School because they weren't sure if it was named after Theodore Roosevelt or Franklin Roosevelt. So we're going to start with Stephen. Do you agree with this move and why? I absolutely do not agree with this move because you're assuming that in order to name a a school after a person, that person must be perfect. Well, there's only been one perfect person on the history of the planet, and that was Jesus. Unless you're going to name all your schools Jesus, which would get confusing, this is not the way to go about things. Now, I understand New York has named their schools by numbers, and and if you want to go that route, that's fine. But to say Abraham Lincoln diminished people's right to life pursuit of happiness— that's teaching history wrong. Matt, 30 seconds. Quick little fact check ski. Uh, up until high schools, uh, they're numbered, and it also does just kind of make sense neighborhood-wise. But who who cares? Um, I, I get if it's the school board's decision, if the parents and students are fine with it, fine. This is dipping into the individual liberty portion that I can deal with. You know, there are flawed people within our history. We have the right to not try to name things after them it's up to us it's our prerogative and also it's san francisco of course they're gonna do this and also much like jello biafra i think diane feinstein's garbage and alex 30 seconds i would say yeah it's, it's a real shame that the only place in a school you can possibly learn history is from the name of the school building and you look at it and you think gosh i wish like this is the only time you learn it you don't have a whole class that's dedicated to teaching you history you have to learn it from the name of the school building or that's it so I actually think this is a great opportunity to name schools after more exciting things. Stop at numbers. Do like fictional characters. Like if you're going to name something for a villain, because as you, you did point out correctly, everyone in American history has a tinge of villainy in them. Why not go big? Go Emperor Palpatine High School. I would go to the heck out of Emperor Palpatine High School. So Julian, what scores do you want to give out zero to ten? Well, let me say, I am always, always a fan of an Emperor Palpatine reference, and therefore we're going to give <laughs> Alice a nine right off the bat. As for Matt, loved that little stat-correcting comeback. I'm going to give you nine as well, and because Steven was on the receiving end, we're going to dock him two points. He drops down to a seven. Okay. 
You soon may have to answer to the tweet police. Twitter is enlisting its users to help combat misinformation on its service by flagging and notating misleading and false tweets. The pilot program called Birdwatch allows a pre-selected group of users who sign up through Twitter. Users must have a U.S.-based phone carrier, verified email and phone number, and no recent Twitter rule violations. That's ABC's Chuck Sievertson. The tweet police, is it a good idea or a bad idea? We'll start with Matt, 30 seconds. First of all, the tweet police, for our classic rock fans out there. But this makes sense in theory, but like everything else on the internet, it's going to collapse within itself and go Lord of the Flies within six months. Twitter not really good with the whole social sciences thing. Uh, may want to kind of avoid that or hire full-time people to look into this. When it goes into the community, the community goes buck wild, as we've seen with the stock market this week. Alex, 30 seconds. Yeah, I would say my biggest problem with this, in addition to the fact that, yeah, anytime... They, they think we've got a, a clever idea that will easily solve all the problems in our social media thing. Well, it never actually works out as intended. You always have your Frankenstein's monster type situation. But I also think Birdwatch is such a misleading name. To me, that's a wasted, like Twitter as a whole app, it's, you think it's going to be a lot more bird themed than it is. And now they say we've got Birdwatch. It's finally the true purpose of the app. No, it's just for policing people's inaccuracies again. So I feel like it's just a misnomer in addition to being... All right, Stephen, 30 seconds. Yeah, getting people to rat out their neighbors, that can't go bad, can it, in any way, shape, or form? We just don't have examples of that throughout history. Uh, look, one of the things the Internet in general needs to do is to see somebody say something wrong and move on with our lives. We, just getting irate and upset because somebody's posting something online that's inaccurate, man, don't let that bring down your day. Move forward. People are going to make mistakes. Don't let you become the cause of that. So, Julian, what do you think of those arguments, zero to ten? Let's go sevens across the board. There were some good points, but nothing overly amazing in my opinion. Okay, that's fair. Next topic in Britain. Speaking of spying on people, a controversial proposed law would allow teens to be recruited to spy on their own parents. The law would allow children as young as 16 to be recruited to spy on their parents if the intelligence gathered could prevent or detect crime, protect public health, safety, or national security, or help collect taxes. That's a pretty broad mission statement, and some 20 state agencies would be allowed to exercise those powers. Supporters insist the welfare of the child would always come first. Opponents charge it puts potentially vulnerable young people at risk. Vicki Barker. CBS News, London. So, Alex, should the government be allowed to recruit kids to spy on their parents? 30 seconds. See, this is why I feel bad that I never watched Spy Kids, because that would have given me a clear moral uh, compass to gauge this based on. But I feel like this is just going to wind up in one of those episode of The Twilight Zone with the cornfield where you're sitting there thinking you've got to please your your 16-year-old kid or something's going to go terribly wrong in the family. I'm picturing all these terrified parents throughout England getting PS, you know, showering PS4s and like allowing people to stay up until whatever just so they won't get reported. I feel like it could be chaos and maybe that's what Britain wants these days with Brexit. Who knows? Stephen, 30 seconds. 
for the government to say in the first place that they're not going to put these kids at risk by getting them to spy on their parents completely ignores the reality of what you're asking kids to do when you tell them to spy on their parents. You immediately put kids in harm as soon as you start down that road. And this is completely unnecessary, by the way, because kids as young as 16 already have the right to report their parents to authorities if the parents are doing something wrong. This is an unnecessary law that will put kids at risk and it should be stopped now. And Matt, 30 seconds. Don't know if that's international law and carries over here, but yo, why are we doing Disney Channel movie plots in real life? I don't know what's going on with the British government ever since they got that large chicken-looking person to run it, but my lord, this is... This is like if you did Goodfellas for children... And I cannot wait to see parents start wearing stop snitching t-shirts in the in the in the UK like it was 2002 here in Bedsty. I just want to see it. It's a terrible idea. Not not smart. So Julian, what do you think of those arguments? I'm going to give everybody a four, and the reason why is they all tried to make carefully crafted comparisons, but you missed the key one which is it actually happened in 1984 by George Orwell, where they made kids rat on their parents. I was hoping one of you guys would bring it up. None of you did. Next topic. French lawmakers had to step in to fight for the right of croaks, quacks, and other countryside sounds. It pitted farmers against city folk looking for some peace and quiet. Parliament has now passed a new law that protects all sounds and smells of the countryside. This French lawmaker says the new law targets city slickers who view the countryside in a technicolor screen like an odorless silent photograph. It's hard to imagine what people expected when living next to a farm, but for now, the ducks can quack and the roosters crow in triumph. Ian Lee, CBS News. So uh, what are some misconceptions you think them city slickers have, good or bad, about life out in the country? We'll start with Stephen, 30 seconds. Well, I think uh, since we were talking about Orwell, one of the big problems that city slickers have is they think that animals are prone to take over farms uh, any time they start believing that the, the two-legged masters are, are doing things wrong. And then so you'll start to see this uprising with the pigs talking to the horses. Man, that just doesn't happen. That was fiction. That was Orwell trying to make a political statement. I think lots and lots of people have read Animal Farm, and they think it's actually a documentary. It's not. It's a work of fiction. Matt, what misconceptions do you think, quote-unquote, city slickers have, good or bad, about life out in the country? 30 seconds. Uh, outside of uh, the fine gentleman thinking everyone from my neck of the woods thinks animals are anthropomorphic and turn into things voiced by Kel uh, Kelsey Grammer aside, uh, there's a lack of understanding, and you think that once you get out of the city, things are quiet. No, things exist. We're constantly in a state of motion, not only development, you know, industrially, but also domestically. Farms are going to happen. Not everything's going to be quiet. Buy a good pair of headphones, buy some blackout shades, and you'll be fine. Stop it, stupid. And Alex, 30 seconds. What are some misconceptions city people have about life out in the country? Yeah, I think... As, as long as we're on the Orwell thing, the, the idea that cows don't make noise, you know, the, 
you have to play homage to Catalonia only. Yeah. Okay, that wasn't worth it. But the point is, uh, it also makes noise in the country. You try to go to sleep, you think, at least I won't be hearing sirens going by. But the crickets are so much louder than you would ever have anticipated. The cicadas come out midway through the night. It's like having neighbors, but the neighbors are not what they're shouting is like we need to mate we're going to die and it's just in a language you don't understand it's not ideal yeah get the complete headphones or stay in the city now before i go to julian it's not just the sounds it's the odors uh julian what points would give out zero to ten for all that all right so let's give steven right off the back a six i thought he made some very interesting points and then i want to give matt a seven because he really was very, very in tune with his argument. And then we will also give Alex a seven because they both kind of touched on the same thing about the sound and made some interesting observations. All right. Next topic. New research finds that some dogs are as smart as two-year-old humans when it comes to learning words. Scientists at Itlish Lorand University in Budapest say that some dogs, such as Border Collies, can learn new words after hearing them just four times. Lead study author Claudia Fugaza explains. In this study, we found that similar to young children, some talented dogs can learn words very fast. Two gifted dogs in the study learned the name of a new toy after hearing it only four times without any formal teaching. One of the dogs faced with seven already named dog toys and one new one was able to choose the new one when the owner spoke a new name. This confirms that dogs can choose by exclusion, but researchers say few dogs are this talented. Allison Keyes, CBS News. So uh, do you think dogs are smarter, dumber, or just as smart as your average two-year-old human 30 seconds, Matt? Yes. I have had dogs my entire life. My dog is currently skulking my room looking for things to take over. But anytime I mention a time to go to a place to use the bathroom or a specific toy, like a poultry-based animal, uh, she knows exactly what it is, will freak out, and also certain sounds. So dogs are very in tune with what's going on around them and utilize their energy to overpower us and turn us into willing slaves for them to get things, primarily steak, water, and bathroom breaks. Alex, 30 seconds. I will say the last dog that was in my life was an absolute idiot. If he ever learned any words, I would be the last person to know that. Maybe he deliberately was not letting on that he knew any of the words. He wouldn't he didn't understand out. He didn't understand come back. He didn't understand stop sitting there and pee. God damn it. People are w watching us. Uh, all of these things he didn't understand. So I think absolutely a two-year-old or minus. But the advantage of two-year-olds is they grow up and uh, learn how to identify things by exclusion and walk around and do interesting things. Whereas the dog will always be stuck there. Steven, 30 seconds. I have a golden retriever and absolutely my golden retriever smart and able to learn new words very quickly with toys. We just got a new cat. He learned the cat's new name pretty quickly, too. But I think this study, are they as smart as two year olds or not? I actually think they're probably about the same level of intelligence. And that's why when both my kids were toddlers, when they were two years old, their best friend was our dog. I think it's because they could relate to each other. They were on the same page, on the same wavelength. And it was just fun watching them look at each other and have the kids giggle. Julian, what points you want to give out for those I arguments? I really like that uh, little uh, comparison there, Stephen. So I'm going to give you a nice uptick in point there. I'll give you an eight. As for Alex and Matt, let's go with five. Okay. Well, coming up. 
our debaters have things on their minds and they want to tell you what's on their minds their competitors may have their own thoughts too that's next a master debaters from ktsa this is master debaters from 550 ktsa and fm 1071 I'm Dennis Foley. Joining us this week, we have Alexandra P. Try, Stephen Parr, and Matt Ryan, who are all working to coerce or judge Julian to give them more points than their fellow competitors. Let's keep this debate going. State your case on Master Debaters. So our competitors before the show came up with a topic they wanted to talk about, a case they want to present to our judge. They will get 30, uh, excuse me, 60 seconds to do so. During those 60 seconds, if the other combatants wish to challenge, they will get 30 seconds each after the case is done being presented to present their own argument. After the challenges, the original presenter will get 30 seconds of their own to address the challengers. If they change their topic or fail to deliver a topic before the show, I'm going to assess an automatic five-point penalty. There are also more points at stake. Our judge can now give up to 20 points at the end of each topic or can take away up to 20 points from anyone, whether they challenge, made the argument, or chose to stay quiet. So right now, our points leader is Steven, so you get to start with your 60-second argument. Well, during his inauguration, President Biden said we need to be united as a people again, and I agree. But unfortunately, a recent poll says 80% of Americans just don't think it's possible anymore. We're too divided. We're too angry. Well, if we want to come together as a nation, then we need to have a common set of basic beliefs to start with, things all Americans can believe in and honor. America was the first nation founded not on territory or tribe or clan or conquest. It was founded on an idea, and you can see that idea written in the second sentence of the Declaration of Independence. That's the one that says we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal, that they're endowed by the creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are the rights to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed. Everything's in there. The answer to every single political problem we currently face from equal rights to immigration to how big government should be, all the conflicts that currently divide us can be lessened and maybe even eliminated if we'll just apply those founding beliefs. Frankly, if the second sentence of the Declaration of Independence can't bring us together, then I'm afraid nothing else can. So, uh, no challenges. So, uh, <laughs> Julian, uh, what points want to give out to everyone for that argument? All right. Well, I'm going to take away five points from both Alex and Matt for not stepping in. This is a debate. See, one of the challenge all, I had an issue with my first, internet. I would hope that you guys would watch the debate, not just let Steven go out there and do his thing. As for Steven, uh, I'm going to go out there and give you a 12. And I think you made some very good points. I don't necessarily agree 100% that everything about our country can be boiled down to the opening mantra, so to speak, of the Declaration of Independence. And there was a little bit too much reading of the Declaration of Independence preamble for my liking, but it still was a very good point. All right. Uh, up next, Alex with your... 60 second argument. All right. So I think this week we can definitely come together in unity and agree as a nation that now is the time either to buy or not buy game. Stop. Shock. Shock. Stop. Shock. I've suddenly forgotten how to speak. Help. Help. No. Uh, game. Stop. Stock. Boy, if I'd known in advance how difficult that phrase would be to say, I wouldn't have based my whole argument around it. The point is, the market is absolutely making sense, and we're illustrated uh, more forcefully than ever by the fact that the price of GameStop 
stock is going as high as it is. It knows no limit. It knows no bounds. Robinhood is maybe not letting you trade it. Everything is making total sense. And I've never felt more confident that the stock market was rational and everyone should either buy it or not buy it. And that, my friend, is the truth of our life today in America and also beyond, probably, even to the moon and back. And that's just even so true now as yesterday it was also true. All right, Matt with the third, first challenge, 30 seconds. All right, so inherently I agree with Alexandra about this. But also, let's pick a better stock than GameStop. I understand the ideas behind it, but guys, we could have found a more altruistic brand or a more altruistic property than GameStop. The company that literally gives you $20 for $300 worth of games because they control the process. You're benefiting a company that doesn't deserve your benefit. Find something better. And also, yes, I'm bitter that my copy of GTA 5 only got me back a hay penny. Steven, 30-second challenge. The real concern isn't about whether the stock price of GameStop goes up or down or whether you get involved. The real concern here is about what happened today when Robinhood shut down trading. If Robinhood shut down trading for its own internal reasons, that's fine. But some of the biggest companies that work on Robinhood also lost billions of dollars in short selling this week. Was there any undue influence on Robinhood and these other online trading outlets that shut everything down? If so, that should should be illegal. That's what we've got to focus on this week. And Alex, 30-second rebuttal. I mean, I have little to rebut. I agree with all the points. Uh, I think the one good stock that seemed like it went up was AMC, where now maybe it'll get to stay afloat and I'll be able to see a movie in theaters again, which is exciting. It turns out if a bunch of Redditors get together and artificially inflate stocks they're nostalgic about, maybe something good can come from that and a company can stay solvent. But yeah, Robinhood, let's look into that. That really doesn't seem like it's living up to the name. In fact, it seems more like they should, they should have called themselves Sheriff of Nottingham, but all one word with no spaces, just to make themselves clearly hip and like an app. There are a lot of characters. Both, you yeah, know. the app store might not list that. Okay. Uh, Julian, what scores do you want to give out for that? All right, so let's start with Alex. I can commend you that even though you got in a little bit of the tongue twister, you did redeem yourself <laughs> because I pretty much made the same tweet about renaming Robin Hood to the villain, though I used Prince John from the Disney movie. So we're going to lay down a nice nine for you and your argument. As for Matt, I think it was very well-crafted, uh, though it is somewhat ironic that GameStop didn't give us money for our old games, but now they are giving us money for their stock, which maybe that's the best thing. It's not the money for the games, but the friends you made along the way, so to speak. But I think you earned a nice 15 as for your compadre there, Steven. He had a very interesting question posed, and I think he earned a 13 with his rebuttal. All right, Matt, it's your turn for your 60-second argument. Now, in the first week of January this year, something uh, ended, and in next Sunday, we have the Superb Owl, the big game at the end of the season. How do these two things coalesce? Back in the 1980s, the NFL refused to do expansion, refused to grow, thus creating the USFL. Within the first two seasons of the USFL, the New Jersey Generals almost went out of business and were purchased by a New York real estate magnate. That New York real estate magnate utilized that opportunity, aside from his casino business, his other grips, and also WrestleMania's four, five, and a few Mike Tyson fights, to gain notoriety. Him not being allowed into the NFL at any point and winning an under $2 judgment from the National Football League 
created this issue, created what we know, and also gave us The Apprentice, which was a mediocre reality show. If he was allowed into the NFL to buy, let's say, the Denver Broncos, he and his hair would have no problem just hanging out, losing every few years. We would have just had another Jerry Jones, and it would have been okay. We could have dealt with that. Alex, 30-second uh, challenge. I have to say, I had no idea where that was going, but I figured I would challenge in the spirit of debate. I can't object to the idea of altering the timeline in this fundamental way, and I wonder what we could have done with just the thought of getting the past four years back uh, and maybe having gotten to do something productive with them, my shoulders would have been like two inches higher uh, or lower than they are currently. Uh, I just, I mean, in addition to my personal life being much less teeth grindingly nerve wracking, I think the country would have been better off. Controversial take from me. <laughs> Follow her on Twitter. Uh, Steven, 30-second challenge. Sorry, Matt, but I think you couldn't be more wrong. Donald Trump lost money in the USFL. If he had been allowed to purchase a team, let's say he followed the, the team you mentioned, Jerry Jones. Jerry Jones bought the Dallas Cowboys in the late 80s for a few million dollars. He's now worth several billion dollars. Do you really want to give Donald Trump the opportunity to go back into the 80s and increase his net worth then by a hundred, two hundred, two thousand fold. I think it does the exact opposite of what you're asking. And Matt, thirty second rebuttal. It would have placated him. He could have made his money and went away. I feel like he just wanted to have a shiny thing. The shiny thing continued to change. The most sustainable shiny thing in American economics is a professional sports franchise, primarily the National Football League. Those things get passed along from generation to generation like a nice coat. So for me, I think this would have necessitated the NFL not only to merge with the USFL, make football way more interesting, keep Jim Kelly out of Buffalo, wide right doesn't happen, an entire generation feels better about themselves. Before I go to Julian, I will say Matt Ryan is being much more mild about his feelings about the Dallas Cowboys this week, which I think most people may appreciate, may not appreciate. I don't know. Julian, what do you think? How many points you want to give out or take away? Uh, I actually don't want to give out any points. And the reason why is I don't think we need to be hypothetical about whether or not Donald Trump would have ran for president because the fact is his ego made him run anyway, even if he owned the best NFL team Today, the Kansas City Chiefs, he would still have run for president because that is, of course, what his ego wanted him to do. So no points for anyone. Who's going to win? Comes down to one final fight. This is Master Debaters from KTSA. From 550 KTSA and FM 1071. This is Master Debaters, the show where the best argument wins. That argument, it ends right here, right now. It's a battle this week between Alexander Petri, Stephen Parr, and Matt Ryan to convince our judge, Julian, that their argument is the best argument. But now it comes down to one final fight. Closing arguments on Master Debaters. This is where it all gets decided in a four-minute melee. I give out the topic, and our three contestants will battle amongst themselves for a whole four minutes. No more than four minutes, and no less than four minutes. At the sound of the final buzzer, our judge will give each combatant up to 100 points, 
or it could take away up to 100 points. The person with the fewest points will get a 15 second head start. Everyone else can join in after that bell is rung. Now, unfortunately, we have a tie for second place and or last place. So what I'm going to do decide who gets that 15 second head start. Julian, pick a number between zero and 10. Keep that in your head. Do you have that number selected? Okay. Matt and Alex, you each yeah. pick a number between zero and 10. Seven and a half. Okay. So, Julian, who was closer to the number that's inside your head? I believe Alex said seven, and the number was seven. So, therefore, she gets to go. All right. Hey. So, our topic. Talk show legend Larry King died last week. Madonna on Larry King Live. Remembering Larry King, the legendary talk show host who died in Los Angeles after being hospitalized with COVID-19 earlier this month. King's decades-long career spanned television and radio. His big break coming at a Miami radio station back in the 1950s. Tonight, Liza Minnelli. Larry King Live, his signature show running for 25 years on CNN. His trademark suspenders always visible while interviewing the likes of Michael Jordan, Margaret Thatcher, Marlon Brando, even Frank Sinatra in one of his final interviews. Why are you here? Why did you? Because you asked me to come and I haven't seen you in a long time. To Larry King was 87. Matt Wolf, ABC shot. News. So who is the best talk show host ever? And we'll use a broad interpretation of a talk show for this argument. Uh, Alex, since you won the number challenge, you will get the 15 second head start, which starts now. Ooh, you know, I need not sure if it counts as a talk show, although it is a show with talking on it, but I think one of the best hosts of anything ever is Alex Trebek, also recently deceased. I think he just had the humor, he had the ability to make people feel both at ease and justly punished for being nerds in a way that really made Jeopardy an excellent watch all the time. I think if he- Well, I agree with that. I agree with that in theory, but the model of the talk show that I grew up loving, the Conan O'Briens, the David Letterman's, all of that goes to Johnny Carson. Oh, Johnny Carson created the modern platform for which all late night talk shows are based off of. And also there's a good and a bad with that, but for every good monologue delivered, every good character created, every interview that makes you interested, all the Bill Murray running gags from Letterman, we all attune that to Johnny Carson. And look at all the stand-up comedians he put on. But Freddie, the, one of the things you're missing there is Johnny Carson had no competition. While I love Johnny Carson, have, the person who had the most competition while he was on air and at the top of it was Jay Leno. Oh, Jay Leno no. had David Jay Letterman Leno and was Paul. a hack. Jay Leno, Jay Leno was a great was... comedian who played to the coast, played to the affiliates, and did nothing innovative. Jay Leno was the heir to Johnny Carson. Jay Leno he's, was the person that America Johnny Carson. He, he came after air. He came after Johnny Carson. That he makes did not carry heir. on the same Tonight Show. Jay Leno was, was, he made it his own. Technically, yes, but it's not what they had in mind. Um, No, I'm sorry. I, I don't need last, to hear quite that a long time. Jay Leno was so successful as Jay the Tonight Leno Show was that when they even because he put his audience to sleep every week, the they man couldn't keep a band leader. Even when they gave it to Conan O'Brien, anyone, yeah, and that's what I like about him. 
because the because NBC was held hostage because Jeff Zucker was a stooge and a sellout and could not handle the pressure of sticking to a decision. Nobody's this gotten right a level of ratings on late night talk shows since Jay Leno. He was the last one in the same fell area. Asleep, and the yeah, audience because was people are falling asleep now. And people the choice is now. Friends. Nowhere close to what Jay Leno. Jay Leno is the last person who was able to win an audience in a competitive environment. And also, you that is something you, you got to get. Johnny Carson didn't have competition. Fugazi would not competition. Joey Bishop, varying other points. He had to deal with one of the best interviewers of all time against him, who was one of his writers at one point. He never had to deal with someone of David Letterman's level of competition. He just never had to Because people respected Johnny Carson. Jay Leno lost all of his respect when he hid in the closet and sold out Dave Letterman. If you read The Late Shift and actually follow the history of late-night television, you can see how Jay Leno... Sold everything out. He crossed the picket line during he the was comedy successful. School. He was successful, oh, and that's so what we're going to judge on. Automatically makes someone great. Well, if, if you're saying the who's the best of all time, time you should see who's the most successful. Who's the greatest quarterback of all time? You'd have to argue hard against saying it's Brady because he's been successful. You may not have to like him, and it may be your personal opinion you don't like him, but the success no, is something that I you can't deny. Imp- I look at the difference between being good at something and having success at it. I think saying somebody's the best at something means that they also are good at it, and not just that they're getting numbers. And I, th- I think there's a difference between being a good interviewer, being one of the best hosts of all time, making a watchable show, and being Jay Leno, who certainly got some numbers, but all the compliments of my grandmother who watched him until uh, she continues to live, but is still, she would watch him if he were still on, they'd always say, Her, his face is a certain way, and I like how many cars he has. That isn't good writing, that isn't good hosting. But your grandmother would watch him. Systemic impact. If it weren't for Johnny Carson, David Letterman, Jay Leno, all of them wouldn't have the jobs they have. Well, so uh, before I go over to Julian, since you guys are talking about Jay Leto and David Letterman, and, and really not, no one's really stood out since then, of the current people who are on late night TV, or even if you want to just broaden it out to anyone who's doing a talk show now, who would you say is probably the best talk show host currently on the air right now, or or have or have been since uh, past decade? Past decade, I, I would have said Conan, except that he's just now ending his show. But I, I think of the ones that are out there, probably Conan. Well, yeah, I, I love Conan. I, I grew up on Conan. Yeah. Conan O'Brien. Okay, uh, Julian, what points you want to give out? Negative one hundred to positive one hundred for that melee. Well, I think everybody really did a good job debating their personal person. Though I do think at some point it turned into who isn't the greatest talk show host of all time, which of course was. Not your question, Dennis. Mm-hmm. What I will say is uh, a valiant effort, all of you. Though this segment was really made for Matt Ryan. He dominated the conversation, <laughs> and that's why he will get the highest score. And he also had great points about Johnny Carson. Uh, 85 points for Matt Ryan, whereas we will go 60 for Steven and 55 for Alex. Okay do some math here to see who our winner is on this week this version of Master Debaters okay so after minutes of very 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 controversial words being uttered on this show my poor ears about some topics that were going on in the past on a week plus who knows it's time to name this week's Master Debater in third place, 
with 107 points. Alexandra Petri. <laughs> in second place. In second place with 126 points. Stephen Parr, which means this week's Master Debater with 137 points. Matt Ryan. Congratulations, Matt. You will get 60 seconds to celebrate, which starts now. I would like to thank our benevolent judge and also my opponents for another vigorous round of debate. And also for those who want to know more about the late night conversation, do yourself a favor. Look up Andy Kaufman and Jerry Lawler on The Letterman Show from the 1980s. Look up most Conan O'Brien things because that's what's been taking up my YouTube recommendations. This is the second straight show I've been on where I've won. Uh, it would hard for me to say that I am the greatest debater in all of Master Debater's history. But, you know, if you come at the king, you best not miss, as Omar Little said on the show The Wire, which you can probably watch. Uh, you can follow my dog, Olive the Fat Baby, on Instagram under the name Olive the Fat Baby. Uh, Jerry Jones is a stooge. And also primarily, and most importantly, the New York Knicks don't stink for a while. And I feel like everyone should respect that. Watch Catalyst Wrestling every Wednesday at 7.30 p.m. on Fight so I can feed my dog this month. Oh, I still have time. Uh, Baba Booey. Baba Booey. Well, that's it. Big thank you to our three contestants. Alexandra Petri from the Washington Post, Stephen Parr from American Ground Radio, and Matt Ryan from Combat Culture, and a big thanks to our judge this week, who was Julian from New Jersey. And he wants some, he probably wants some big fancy outro, right? Yeah, maybe a little bit. He does stuff. Anyway, Master Debaters <laughs> is a production of <laughs> XS Studios and KTSA San Antonio. Learn more about Master Debaters online at ktsa.com slash Master Debaters. I'm Dennis Foley. This has been Master Debaters, the show where the best argument wins. San Antonio's home for news and talk. On air, online, and on demand. 550 KTSA and FM 1071.